as you, as you recording at, started as you look at things today and you realize what the whole covid thing is is 1970s flu pandemic flu you know vaccine uh, uh, you know the whole charade and scenario and then when you go back and you read things like um, on murder by injection by Eustace Mullins, and and you realize this goes back to the late 1800s, and you recognize that these individuals, these agencies, in fact, these agencies that have been created, the Institutes of Health, Centers for Disease Control cancer institution, you know, they are all vestiges of criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. And this COVID thing, I guess, is just another one of these things that the American people, indeed the world over, Christians especially, are just going to continue to roll their eyes and ho-hum, I sure am glad I'm saved. And mm-hmm. I agree with you. It is like there is no anger, there is no outrage, there is no, and there there can be no call to action against these wicked. In fact, I think it's part of what I, you know, kind of swerved into for this this evening's fellowship. There's there's what what we have is we've got the nations united against God. That's exactly what this is. The nations united against God. What else could you call it? You can't, you cer- can't call it anything. Mm-hmm. They're certainly not unified for any for a godly purpose. Exactly, not for righteousness at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading it. I was reading a scripture here in Psalms chapter. 4, verse 6, 5, verse 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There is no discussion of righteousness in the church world. Now, some would would stomp their feet and rail at me and say, there's churches all over this land, Doug, that don't like what's going on or aren't, you know, on board with these things. That may very well be, sister and brother. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. Stamping feet and being angry at what's going on has nothing to do with what the church world has peddled out with the nations to be united against God. Yeah. And And they are killing, they are killing people. They are allowing evil men to lurk in places that the people trust in. They trust in their medical practitioners to give them sound advice and counsel with regards to their health and their condition. 
They trust in their church leaders to give them sound <coughs> advice in their spiritual relationship with God, their future salvation. And it's all lies. The scripture, in fact, calls it leasing, and that's what it is, lies and false prophecy, false doctrine. And so, yeah, as I see more and more of my Christian brethren, friends, and so forth, having to deal with this virus, this known tool of warfare, and have people just, you know, these institutes go... Let me make an observation as well. It's very important for everybody listening. It's not like everybody listening doesn't already know, but it needs to be stated. Look at the so-called opposition. Uh, there, look, it ought to be obvious to see in America there is no opposition to the swamp. And and certainly you can look back at the the last administration where everybody had hoped that that man was for real. But take note, Christopher Ray is still the head of the FBI. Fauci's still calling the shots on the virus. Uh, I suppose you could probably go down the line and see that most of the swamp rats are still there. They may have, you know, do their figurehead changes. But the point is, it's pretty much status quo, isn't it, Doug? I mean, I mean, Trump spoke at the UN. I mean, why? If you were serious about cleaning the swamp, why would you set foot in the UN? You would make bills to close the U.S., get it off the property of the United States of America. You would make very different kind of decisions than what we've seen. And this this nut that's it's allegedly, supposedly in charge now, he's just, um, he's irrelevant. Uh, it's somebody... You know, it's his handlers. But anyway, uh, those of you that that believe that there was an opposition party ought to see very clear now that there there is no organized opposition. There's just somebody you like know. Doug Nelson telling us all that... Uh, these they're all unified to be against God. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you raise a very good point about the United Nations. Because that device and tool right there was the tool devised to be able to say to the world, we're all one people. We're, we all worship the same God. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we all are humanity, and we all have to learn to get along. And in fact, when the churches themselves began to to parrot the UN and and put it into the bylaws of of Lutheranism, uh, Episcopalianism, Protestantism, and the like, that they were not going to criticize the UN. In fact, they would in indeed not speak evil against it. Endorse and it. that all happened. Huh? Anti-God establishment. Absolutely. It totally rejects God. Monica from South Africa sent me a video, and, and I, I didn't catch, I just listened to it quickly, and, and I, I suppose I didn't miss it in detail, but um, part of it was the person that was in the video was either an Austrian or she might have even been a South African, um, but basically talking about, in fact, now that I think about it, it probably was South African, and talking about uh, hate crimes. There's hate crimes legislation all over the world in every country. You know, Russell, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, and I think I, I remarked and said, I, what has gotten me so perplexed is I can't understand how every nation across the whole world fell into lockstep with this whole campaign against humanity with the release of this virus and the subsequent intention to inoculate with whatever it is that is contained in these inoculations, the substrates and substances in which to uh, maim, injure, um, uh, sterilize. I mean, you name whatever it is, this most likely is an intended consequence of this shot. And you sit there and you marvel at how it is that the whole nations could fall into this. But they've been doing this since the United Nations, and that's something that you brought up. And I, I'm saying it, it, I think it's, it's a very good observation again, because ever since then, all of these laws have become universal all over the nations that you have. All of these laws, they're not God's laws. They are this system, this beast system's laws. And it has gotten to the point now that um, we can know that they are united against God because of the very things that they do. For example, hate crime. You speak evil against another individual, whether that, and if that person is an opposite race of you, and even an opposite religion of you, this is now considered a hate crime. And these hate crime laws are being enhanced to include language such as language about things that you would read in the Bible of sinners. And so it doesn't surprise me, it doesn't shock me or anything, but the fact of the matter is we are saying the church united against God as the nations are united against God. 
because they stood by and united against God. And we know this is true. We know this is destined to happen because God's word is true. And it tells us that this is what they do. They are confederate together. It really does amaze you when you can sit there and you don't see you know, as I say, you say something and it's a painting a broad brush and, well, how can you say that? There's churches all over the world that are standing up and doing this and doing that. Well, the time to have stood was in the moment that the unrighteousness was yielding itself against the righteous. Cursed is the man that walks in the counsel of the ungodly and stands. Hold on. I have, a, I have an experiment. Can I, can I play a little experiment with you all? Sure, I can, of course. Um, Psalms chapter 1, Psalm 1. I have a little experiment. Let's turn to Psalms, Psalm 1. I'm going to read Psalm 1 from my Bible. I want you all to pay attention and read along. Are we all there? Good evening, Rich. All right, we're all there. All right, here is Psalms 1. Cursed is the man that walks in the counsel of the ungodly and stands in the way with sinners, but sits in the seat of the scornful. He delights not in the law of Yahweh, and in his law he will not meditate day or night. He is not like a tree planted by the rivers of water and does not bring forth fruit in season, but his leaf withers and whatsoever he does fails. The godly are not so. They are not as waste and the wind does not drive it away. Therefore, the godly shall stand in the judgment and the righteous in the congregation and the unrighteous in the congregation. For Yahweh knows the way of unrighteous and the way of the godly shall not perish. Now, how do you like my Psalm number one? (laughs) You guys are all scrambling, scratching your head. Where is he at? I'm pretty sure he said Psalm 1, didn't he? <laughs> okay, I pulled what I am so thankful to my brother Russell for. I pulled a brother Russell. I like the way you have taught me to look at things in the adverse. And what I did well, was I took Psalm, I took Psalm 1 and completely turned it into the opposite. In other words, I made it say what it says. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you can thank Peter J. Peters for that. Okay. Well, I will thank you. Thank you very much, Pastor yeah. Peters. <laughs> he showed me that trick. said it helps in your understanding. 
Oh, boy, does it. Boy, does it. Blessed mm-hmm. is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, the adverse of that is cursed is the man that walks mm-hmm. not in the counsel of the godly. Amen. And I, I made a few errors in, in rewriting that, and you probably picked up on a few of them. I had to pause on one of them and try to get my bearings straight in my head. Cursed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Or, excuse me, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but cursed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the godly. Would to God that Christians today could curse the man that walks not in the counsel of the godly? But the church has said, no, 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 no. We don't curse the man. Don't they? That's what we've all been taught. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful, or nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and his law, and in his law, does he meditate day and night. But the adverse of that is that he delights not in the law of Yahweh, and in his law he will not meditate day or night. He is not like a tree planted by the rivers of water and does not bring forth fruit in season, but his leaf withers and whatsoever he does fails. But here, David says, he shall be like a tree that is the righteous, the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So if everything that America is doing is not prospering America, then obviously we must not be walking in the counsel of the godly. Mm-hmm. What, am, what am I missing, Rich? Can you straighten me out? Anybody that looks at our current president and his team there, that's the classic ungodly crew. Instead of the A team, it's the Z team. They're a bunch of zombies. Very well put. They're doing everything they can to tear this country apart. Mm Mm-hmm. No apologies. Mm-mm. I just wonder I think, if we I haven't think the already. Way God penned, I think the way that the God, God penned the Psalms in the positive light is much better than going negative. Well, I I understand, but my I think my I, I think my my reading there is is positive. I don't know why you don't. It, it, 
Cursed is the man that walks in the counsel of the godly. The ungodly. And stands in the way with sinners, but sits in the seat of the scornful. He delights not in the law of Yahweh, and in his law he will not meditate day or night. He is not like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and he does not bring forth fruit in season. His leaf withers, whatsoever he does fails. The godly are not so. They are not as waste. The wind does not drive away. Therefore, the godly shall stand in judgment and the righteous in the congregation. And that is where we're supposed to stand, in the righteousness and in the congregation. He's got no... Oh, I can see when you say that is that you're picking on Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi <laughs> and Chuck Schumer. Well, whoever the ungodly are. And if we have ungodly... In our midst, it must be because we have chosen them to be in our midst. And, you know, it's like the old saying, and, you know, it's like the old saying, yeah, no, it doesn't count. It's like the old saying, though, it's not my senator. You know, it's, it's, it's those senators from Massachusetts, you know, those people's senator. And it isn't, it isn't my clergymen, it's, it's the clergymen from Texas, you know, the ones that smile a lot with curly hair and, and big pearly white teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I caught that. You caught that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but anyhow, definitely. The nations have are united seen, against God. Have you seen our Haitian uh, tourist project? I have. And and carrying that COVID in, did you did you hear last night? They said they waived all the COVID rules and regulations for the Hollywood party of the Emmy Awards. They waived. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's a waiver for a undocumented person? Uh, they don't have to uh, be tested. He just walks across the border and bring that stuff over here. I mean, how do you take this bunch serious that that rules this country now? Well, here, I, I heard think- an interesting talk today on um, the Haitians. They're not from Haiti. This guy's been interviewing them for about a year, and they've been living in Colombia and San Paulo and also all these places. None of them are fleeing the earthquake. They were just waiting for the Biden administration to take over so they could walk into the country. But they've been living in South America, 100,000 of them or more, for years now. And they've had jobs down there, and they've been supporting themselves. But they're coming up to get in the gravy train. So they're not from Haiti. I mean, a bit, I mean, way back they were, but not any time recent. Yeah, puts a different me, spin on things. To me, I don't even care where they're from. They're illegal. You know. In other words, they're they're no different than 
the bank robber or the child pedophile, you name the crime, they're, they're criminals. And Rich, you've traveled abroad, haven't you? Actually, not a lot. Well, when you do, every time you pass a border in Europe, you, you've got to prove yourself all over again, over and over and over. They're very, very rigorous border rules in Europe and Mexico. So I guess all that's out the door here, isn't it? Yeah, Mexico just relaxed all its rules and said, go ahead. They used to have a thing that he used to fill out and they'd have to wait. and That was under Trump. But now it is all all bets are off. Welcome, walk right through our country and get into the United States. Yeah. So, and and if there's anybody listening that believes that that Newsom got in on a legitimate election, I've got some really big lakes out here in West Texas. I'd like to sell you real cheap. Uh, we. How are you going to stop? How are you going to create a clean election in an unlawful society that we live in? What would motivate anybody to do a righteous election? There's there's no payoff for that. So it's never going to happen if it ever did. I got a book that says the boss is coming back. He'll do clean elections. Who's that? I said the boss is coming back and he'll do clean elections. Oh, yeah, well, I'm ready. We're all ready. Yeah, it reminds me of it reminds me of uh, Revelation chapter nineteen. Over there, real quick. Uh, I think it's about the middle of the chapter there. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. I'm at fifteen nineteen fifteen with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he has on his vesture of his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven Come and gather yourselves together to the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Oh.
I was reading in Titus chapter 3. And uh, there real quick. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I guess what I thought was coming to my mind was that uh, thinking about the ways in which we have been told not to be united against God as individuals and as nations. And it seems like the church world has all but thrown out basically everything, including the New Testament. Because these scriptures like this in Titus 3, verse 10, a man that is a heretic, and of course the actual word there um, uh, was not originally translated Heretic. In fact, I should start at nine. Um, no, that that's actually Titus one. Um, in Titus three ten, a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition rejects. And I was reading that from different translations. Was somebody going to say something? No. All right. Um, and I was just reading that from a couple of different translations, and, and the word heretic is, is, is the translation. Um, but I guess I didn't write down what the actual Greek word was there. Uh, just was looking at it and was kind of marveling at, um, basically, it's a false teacher, a man that is a false teacher, or a man that is... is um, uh, is is giving you know false information or not being truthful after the first and second ad admonition reject and we have nothing in our laws today to do exactly this so if we are to be a christian nation the christian nation under god you can expect that the nations that are united against God, they're not going to have anything like this. Or if they have something, it's going to be the opposite of this. They're going to want any man who says anything that is um, counter to them in terms of their unrighteous behavior, um, their ungodliness. Uh, the first or second time, you can expect they will reject you. And they will see to it that you are rejected from the society. And we have a Christian population today that does not look at any of these scriptures the way that they ought to be looked at. Because that's exactly what Titus was teaching. And he's not the only one. Uh, in fact, uh, while I'm in Titus, I'll just flip back to chapter 1 in verses 9 to 11. Holding fast the faithful word as has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Well, who was of the circumcision? The Pharisee Judahites, Judahites and the Pharisees. 
And as he said, it goes on to say in 11, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. They didn't teach those things for any other purpose or reason or for the glory of God or anything else. They taught it for filthy lucre. And then he goes on to tell about teaching sound doctrine throughout the chapter two. So again, the adverse of that must be unsound doctrine. But how can the people know what sound doctrine is when they've been told that sound doctrine is to be rejected? The church world has taught us that we've got no enemies, we all serve the same God. God is is different or somehow changed in the from the Old Testament to the New Testament, even though it's actually Old Covenant and New Covenant. You know, we would have done well to have had the book translated and New Covenant because that's exactly what it is. They have rejected that there was an Old Covenant Oh, they'll talk about it, they'll acknowledge it, but they reject the meaning of that old covenant so as to ignore the new covenant in Hebrews 8 And they'll tell us that we're, we're not even to look for him or to look to him for help. And this is what I marvel at about, and, and of course the Jews are God's chosen people, you know, so they've taught all these lies, all this leasing, as the Bible refers to it, and yet the people can't know, can't understand, can't even see that the enemies are striking them. And yes, there may be people <clears throat> who do get it and who are seeing it, but once again, you cannot run for school board or expect to run for school board and expect to change because the school board is not who drives the policy. That policy is driven way up the food chain. Now, some may believe that by running for school board, they may be able to stop temporarily something and have some measure of righteousness returned. I get that. But as Henry David Thoreau said, something to the fact that there's a thousand hacking at the branches with one hacking at the roots. The root of the problem is what has to be addressed, and that's evil, wicked, and unrighteous men. I'm not talking about the the individual who sins commits error in in egregious sin against another person or God himself, as David said, against thee only have I sinned. We're talking about truly wicked individuals that are controlling world systems and killing mankind. Because they don't believe in God. They must say, I was remarking to my wife 
as we were driving this evening, I said, these individuals must think so highly of themselves because this great good that they are doing for humanity and have been doing for over 150 years, at least as much as I can tell. But I know they've been doing it longer than that. But their efforts have coalesced and consolidated in a way unknown by modern man. And they have literally, literally been working a program to eradicate populations because, after all, the world is getting overpopulated. That God that created this universe, he doesn't understand. You know, there's too many people and, you know, all these terrible things as a result of all these people. And yet God said, you are the tool of my righteousness. You, Jacob Israel, are the one in whom my glory will shine and will be exemplified and conveyed to all the peoples of the earth. I marvel at these psalms, just the first four psalms alone. Psalms 2, we've already done Psalms 1. Psalms 2, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth, the kings of the earth set themselves. And the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. The, at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ came the advent of mission work the world over to convey to the world about this God who sent his only begotten son to redeem these people called Jacob Israel. And through them were going to be the blessings to the world. And you can follow those people throughout history, and you can see in every instance how those people have blessed entire continents Africa was blessed by European presence in Africa. Does that mean that every European presence in Africa and South Africa and so forth was done in a godly fashion or in a righteous fashion? No, it does not. But it still goes without saying by looking at the fruits that were born out of it you had people who couldn't even speak and uttered nothing but grunts and were actually brought goodness and made to be intelligent, made to become their own in many respects, their own um, growth in their own countries because 
these people visited them and taught them things. These people being these righteous ones, these holy ones of Israel, who don't always do everything the way God would like to see it done. But because they're human, they act foolishly at times and do things in wrong ways and have adverse outcomes as a result. But in no way can you consider it an adverse outcome that peoples all over Africa and Aborigines in Australia and so forth have actually become a better people, have had their standard of living elevated. and live lives today totally different in all respects. Now, some would say, well, how do you consider that a good thing? Well, I can tell you, if all that you were going to do as a civilization was to out about in tribes until you've actually killed the other tribe off, you know, eventually you would have no more enemies, I guess, and then it would just be your tribe but if you didn't do anything else to advance yourself in any other way, then you'd still be nothing but apron-wearing pygmies or whatever. But David here, why did the heathen rage? The nations are aligned against God, and so has been the church world has been aligned against God. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. What was the cord? What was the cord of these people that were not heathens? The cord was the law of God. The band that needs to be broken is those people who believe in this God, his righteousness, his law, his commands, his structure. That's got to be broken asunder. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Obviously, this has been done. It was asked of Yahweh, And he gave the heathen for an inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for a possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, 
lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. And blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Well, the church world will say, we put our trust in Jesus when they came out with the mask mandates and when they came out with the vaccine, we trust in Jesus. We didn't mask up. We held our church services. We paid the penalty. We took them to court. We won. And so they think they have victory. Psalm 3, Lord, how they are increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there's no help from him in God. You know, this was a time in David's life where David had sinned. I believe this is in reference to 2 Kings, you know, around 13, 14, 15, 16, right after his sin with Bathsheba. And, you know, it appeared that God was against him. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. In other words, his own friends are saying, well, God's not there. He really doesn't do anything. He's not with you. He doesn't, you know, he's not, he's forsaken you. He's cast you out. You're done. You're, you're spilt milk, you know. Meanwhile, Absalom is out there rallying the, the citizenry of the Israelites uh, into his court. So these adversaries of David, by extension, David's God, they essentially are pronouncing a judgment on him. When, when, they, when they say, you know, your God's not with you, and what has the United Nations done? And what has happened in America? We've been told that God doesn't deal with us the same way anymore, which basically says God has forsaken you. Or the only thing you can do is exist until the day in which the king returns. We're all just supposed to lay down or, you know, lay down our arms and lick the feet of the wicked. Well, that isn't what David did. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. So he laid down and slept. He woke up. He was refreshed. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Yahweh, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. They basically tempted David's faith and trust in Yahweh as God. Aiming to convince David in his heart and in his spirit that God has withdrawn from, from him. So I turned over to 2 Samuel chapter 15 to reacquaint myself 
with the essence of David's situation, Second Samuel fifteen sixteen, I'm sorry. Beginning at verse fifteen. Uh, excuse me, verse five. Sixteen verse five. And when King David came to the Hurum, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei, when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. The Lord has returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord has delivered thy kingdom into the hand of Absalom, thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Man. Ever had somebody come out and curse you? Curse you? Because of your sin? Curse you because of what he thinks? of you from what he sees of you or his impression of you then said abishai the son of zariah unto the king why should this dead dog curse my lord the king let me go over i pray thee and take off his head king said what have i to do with you you sons of zariah So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction, that the Lord will requite me good. David, right there in the pinnacle of sin, could have rode deep into despair at that cursing. But at Psalm 3.6, he boldly declares, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. He pleads, Arise, O Yahweh, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies. Salvation belongs unto Yahweh and thy blessings unto thy people. Selah. Forever.
That's what they want to do to us. When we are found in sin, they want to rub our faces in it. They want to show us how ungodly we are, how unrighteous. You, this God that you worship, this God that you love, you see, you people are nothing but unrighteous. Look at you. Look at how pathetic you are. Look how weak you are. Look how despised you are by peoples, tens of thousands of peoples. They despise you and your, quote, righteousness. And that's the way they view the Christian. view us in derision. And as you said, Russell, you know, the United Nations, if we had a righteous ruler, they'd go into that United Nations and drive it right out of this country. So would they drive right out of this country the money changers? They have turned our glory in God and his righteousness that he bequeathed upon us, Europe and America, flowing out to the entire world. They have turned it all into shame. The biggest debtor nation in the world, the United States and Europe. Some of those other scriptures that I, I went to about about severing ourselves from these ungodly and unrighteous that that the church world apparently, like I say, they don't they call themselves New Testament Christians, where God has changed and all these ideas and false teachings that you know it's somehow different from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Turn with us to uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Maybe we should remind him, Hebrews 8.8, Hebrews 8.7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Hmm. Oh, so there was a reason to get a second covenant. Hmm. For finding fault with him, he says, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Who's that? House of Israel and the house of Judah. Well, only the Jews are God's chosen people, Doug. Didn't you know that? Well, excuse me. That sounds like false prophecy, or that sounds like false theology. 
it says here, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It does not say a new covenant with the house of Judah only, if one is to assume that Jews are Judah, which they are not. They profess not themselves. Back to Hebrews 13, 17. point I was going to make here on 1317, obey them that rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So wait a minute. Are you confused, Doug? You're supposed to obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Are you watching for my soul when you teach me falsely about the word of God? When you teach me that 80% of the Bible is cast aside and of no value and of no consequence for me today? And yet what I see is the nations and the church united against God. If they are watching over my souls, my soul, your soul, the Christian soul, Paul is telling us that they must give an account. they stand before the king of kings and say, well, I told them that that had been done away with. I believe the king of kings is going to say, where did it say that that had been done away with? Well, right here. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But I guess I'm not supposed to I'll look at Hebrews 13 and 17. Maybe it's Acts 20 <clears throat> that I should look at. Verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the called of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Dropping down to 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God's grace and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified, all them which are set apart. Seems to me that 
there's a duty and a responsibility that that has not been taught, and therefore they're united against God. Second Timothy chapter four. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and, and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, that they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I don't know, maybe the church doesn't believe this anymore. Sound doctrine. First Thessalonians 4.1, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So, as I say, I, as every day goes by and I see people being afflicted and injured by this man-made virus, this man-made warfare against humanity, I am astounded. Just as Russell said, that the man who is part and parcel, the reason for its existence at all, is still standing before the nation, spouting his doctrine and withholding truly good doctrine, sound medical advice and counsel 
and even really withholding very, very reasonable methods. of not only feeding it, but saving lives in much grief and loss of <coughs> time, energy, workforce, and economic output. I think the more I look at this, the more I say it's just exactly what they did in the 30s, exactly what they did in the 70s, and here it is another 50 years later. They're doing it again because they make money off this, and they have to destroy those People who delight in the Lord want to live in accordance with his way because they are truly destroyers and they are truly diabolical individuals who are being ruled by them. I'm trying to remember. I came across the scripture. Um, I wonder if it was Isaiah 46. Um but he talks about bringing an enemy from the east, east countries or something like that. Does any of you remember that? And and as I think about, you know, China being the, the enemy from the east, I mean, it's, it's striking similarity as to God potentially bringing on the enemy from the east again. Mm-hmm. You know, what I wanted to mention about Titus 3.10, the Greek word there that I said heretic there, it's actually factious. It's Greek is number 141. It does mean heretic or divisus, but what I found was is a little bit more to that. It means a factious person specializing in half-truths, misimpressions to win others over to their personal opinion or misguided zeals. And Thayer's goes a little bit more. It says, quote, ismatic, factious follower of false doctrine, end quote. Ismatic, factious follower of false doctrine. Sounds just like a lawyer. Well, and and is it not the clergy and is it not the nations? The nations have been spouting half-truths, misimpressions. They specialize in half-truths, misimpressions. They are factious mm-hmm. persons to win others over. 
followers of false doctrine. Absolutely. Can you just install a uh, a transvestite as a bishop in one of the organizations? Yes. That San Francisco is head of two hundred churches, or it is whatever it is. I don't remember which denomination it was, but I believe you're correct. Yeah. Well, they're not sticking one finger in God's eye. They're sticking all of them in there. Mm-hmm. Psalm chapter 4. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons and men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? There's that word, leasing, lying. Factious. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand with awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. That's what I said early in the hour. Think about that term. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. And put your trust in the Lord. There's going to be many that are going to say, who's going to show you any good? He says, Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in that time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Thou, Lord, only dwell in safety. So I know that the people that are going through this, um, I think of these people who've gotten the first, the second, now the third inoculation. I see them laying down in their sick two, three, four days at a time having no idea what it's doing to their body I'm not even going to claim I know what it's doing to their body but of course I must believe that what it's doing to their body is good because these factious people specializing in half-truths and misimpressions to win others over to their personal opinions and misguided zeal, I, I must therefore believe them. 
And all I can do is praise God for the natural immunity that he's giving all of us who won't bow the knee to these ungodly, factious in our midst, whether, and, and of course, we're hearing the clergy do it. The clergy's been out there telling people, it's time to get the vaccine. It's time to go get the shot, roll up the sleeve and go get it. It's for the greater good of the society. And yet the truth is, the best way is to let God's created physiology, biology of his own working allow these bodies to to deal with the virus naturally this chemical virus this biological agent that was diffused against man mankind to allow us to fight it and i know there are people out here that are fighting it with prayer other things that they know for their health to build their immune system and strengthen it and do not want to take anything other than that which they know to be naturally occurring in God's creation and for their body. I hold them in prayer before God and say, as David says, look at all these that are arrayed against us. Strengthen us, God. Deliver us in this hour. And I know that he is, and I know that he will continue to do so for those that are his. There may be a casualty. That doesn't mean God has lifted his hand. The casualties are some of the things that God will remember more than any other. What the wicked did, the blood that is on their hand. That I say, praise God. Thank you for turning our shame once again into your glory. Heavenly Father, I know there's many out here, Father, of your people that are being afflicted for having people driven into their communities like biological walking time bombs and agents. becoming carriers to afflict your people. Father, forgive us for our sin, and our sin has been great, deserved, literally, everything you seek to impose upon us, our sins. 
Father, have mercy in minutes, days, and hours and months. Touch the people. Trust in you. Believe in you. Be strengthened by you and by your healing hand. Guide them through this. Thank you for all the wisdom that you gave us over the past year. Know what was about to befall us. How best deal with it. Thank you for the healings that you provided so many that we already know that have contracted it. I thank you for your continued protection upon those trying to build their natural immunity in spite of what factious, half-truth, misimpression persons are doing all over the world, how they are arrayed against you. Father, I lift them up in your prayer. Please remember them, know their needs, Give them the strength to persevere through warfare that has been unleashed to people. Thank you for your blessings, your wonderful truth, your word. Most importantly, I thank you, Father, not allowing us to turn your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, man, I don't want to keep it long tonight. I know that best is in order. I don't want to impede it in any way. Thank you. Welcome. Heavenly Father, I will beseech you. We ask you, Father, continue your blessings and your protection over our families. Keep our our children and our spouses and ourselves strong and healthy. Keep the evil away from our doors. Lord, we'll do whatever it takes to save our families. But hopefully it's not going to come to that. We thank you, Holy Father, for your mercy, your blessings, and your righteousness. Forgive your people of their sins. Give them another chance. Take out some of these unrighteous rulers and put in some people that will be a credit to your Christian religion. We thank you, Father. Don't give up on us. Yes, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. Good night.